computer. Lego Batman here. Play Podcast PD. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you'll have more fun with Stacey Lindis, AJ Bianco, and me, Chris Nessie. All right, welcome back to Podcast PD. This is episode number 17. I am one of your fantastic co-hosts. My name is Chris Nessie from the House of Ed Tech and chrisnessie.com, and I am joined, as always, by my Podcast PD compadres, AJ Bianco and Stacy Lindis. Let's start with the woman of the hour. Stacy. how are you? I'm all right, Chris. It's been a great weekend. How about you? I also had a great weekend, spent two days, like two and a half in Atlantic City. I'll talk about that in a second. AJ, how are you? Hi, guys. I'm, I'm doing well. I did not have a great weekend. I'm, I'm going to go on a sports rant here. So, Stacey, you can fall asleep if you want to for a second. But this is a terrible weekend. This is the weekend where my Yankee season came to an end. And my Jets figured out how to blow a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter of a game that they had in the bank. So for me, this weekend, and in sports terms, I guess, was just not a good weekend. For family, it it was a lot of fun. That's all that counts. As Caitlin told me when I left her to go to bed so I could go watch Game 7 of the ALCS in a bar, she said, why do you invest so much in this? And I said, I didn't really have a good answer. I just said, because I'm a baseball fan, so it's what I do. But she, she doesn't get it. That's the only answer you need. It's the it's the fan part. It's the fanatic. Yes. <laughs> so speaking of why she was sleeping, she uh, Kate ran the uh, the Atlantic City half marathon as we record this today. So she ran thirteen point one miles, all that good stuff. Yesterday she did a five k. So she did the King Neptune Challenge. So she got an additional medal that talked about her running sixteen point two. I think that's how the math adds up. So she 16. had 16.2. You're right. 16.2. So she had a nice running weekend and I got to lose a couple bucks. Life is still okay. I still have my shirt. And uh, yeah, so Yankees losing, not, not fun, but Hey, I'll talk about that later. Let me give a little preview of what we're going to be doing in our next episode, because we want to get you involved. So obviously this is episode is seven. Going to be the next episode or do we say it was going to be an upcoming one? Episode 18 is going to cover app smashing. So if you are an app smasher, we want to hear from you. Go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and choose your preferred method to share your app smashing stories or suggestions so we can feature you on the next episode of the podcast. So get it done, people. Participate. Maybe you'll smash some apps. Smashing apps, smashing pumpkins. Who knows? Stacy, why don't you tell the people what our main topic for today is, if they couldn't tell by the title? Yeah, so today we are going to be talking about hyperdocs. If you're not familiar with the term, a hyperdoc is a digital document, such as a Google Doc, where all the parts of a lesson or mul- multiple lessons have been pulled together in one main location. 
And within this one single doc, students are provided with hyperlinks to all of the resources they need to complete a variety of tasks and engage themselves in the learning. The term was coined by Lisa Highfield, Kelly Hilton, and Sarah Landis. So I love everything about student engagement. So I'm super excited to talk about this. There's also going to be some extra things, links to articles, blog posts, and some other resources that you can all find in the show notes at podcastpd.com slash 17. I think one of the most important things that we're going to link to is an episode of The Cult of Pedagogy, episode 70, where Jennifer Gonzalez interviewed and spoke to Lisa Highfield, Kelly Hilton, and Sarah Landis, who are the three people who coined this term and literally wrote the book on hyperdocs in education. And you can actually get to that by going to cultofpedagogy.com slash hyperdocs. And again, that's episode 70. So why don't we start with an easy question for the three of us? And that is, have you ever used a hyperdoc with students? So no, I've never used a hyperdoc, not even with my own teachers. And we are fortunate that Kevin Carroll is going to come on and eventually share some of that information with us and how he created that. How about you guys? What do you do with hyperdocs and students? Well, I used it for the first time this year, and I used it back at the start of the year for my September 11th lesson, because leading up to that, I had seen one floating around, I believe, from Kate Baker. We'll link to her Twitter and this actual lesson in the show notes. It was really cool. I had obviously read about it and seen it. I didn't take the time to reinvent the wheel and make one from scratch, but I found this one, went through it, modified it where necessary, which is the great thing since, you know, as we're going to talk about, they're built in the Google sphere. Uh, So that made it really easy to find it and tweak it to my students. So that was my first time, my first experience. And I'm looking forward to finding other ways to use uh, HyperDocs this year with my ninth grade world history students. Yeah. uh, So I have uh, been using HyperDocs with my students this year. I, I have never done it before, but I have heard about it and I have seen them in action. And the concept itself has been very cool. So I thought it'd be really a good tool to use as I'm trying to work on personalized learning and student choice. Uh, and, and like, I have not created one yet. So uh, I'll start with that. I have not created one of my own, but I'm working on on something that I can use for my own to help really create learning menus and student choice for my students. There are some fantastic people out there who share HyperDocs on the website. Uh, we will link the website to our show notes and I believe it's hyperdocs.co. Um, but we will link it because I could be wrong with the address. There is a section of their website where teachers give and teachers take. If you create an account through that website, then you are, really able to share and take and give. And really, it's a really nice combination of working collaboratively together. And people are so generous that they allow you to have their HyperDoc and you can make a copy of it and use it for yourself. Just make sure you check the links and make sure that everything you know belongs to you because there are people out there who have their Google Forms attached to it or their Google Docs. And if you don't have access to that or if it's blocked only for their school district, you can't get in there. That's actually what I ran into with the September 11th lesson. There were eight videos with this lesson and I I dropped the ball and not checking it at school. And a lot of my students couldn't, my students couldn't watch, I think five out of the eight videos based on our filtering restrictions, have a kid check it maybe before you're using it to see what a kid sees because your students might have different permissions and, you know, vice versa from you as a teacher. Have you ever tried safe share? What is that? 
um, safeshare.tv. Maybe I should bring this up on the House of EdTech. Um, you can drop a link from like YouTube and it will strip away all of the bad content that would usually stick a video into purgatory on a student account. And a lot of times you'll be able to share it, especially because now the link has technically changed. So safeshare.tv. Hey, the link will be in the show notes now and I will check it out myself. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to play a little game. Welcome to HyperDocs are so much more than just a doc with hyperlinks. Today's contestants are Stacy and AJ. The rules of the game are quite simple. I'm going to talk about either a HyperDoc or just a doc with hyperlinks. You need to buzz in, make whatever silly noise you'd like, and you need to tell me, am I talking about a HyperDoc or just a doc with hyperlinks? Are you ready to play? Yes. Yes. All right. Here we go. Students click on links to get specific sites. Hey, oh. AJ. (laughs) That's a doc with hyperlinks. That is correct. That is just a doc with hyperlinks. Now, a hyperdoc would allow for students to collaborate with one another through links embedded in the doc or through sharing before, during, or after. Stacy, you are down one nothing. Here we go, round two. Something is created either within the doc or through a link embedded in the doc. Students really, quote, show what they know. Caca, caca. Stacy. That is a hyperdoc. Absolutely. A poor example of this would be no opportunity for students to create within the doc. That is just a doc with hyperlinks. All right. Round three. Players ready. Students are consuming information through the sites they are linked to. Oh, I'm going to have to go with AJ on this one. And that is a doc with hyperlinks. Yes, sir. What do you think would make it a hyper doc, Stacy? Um, she doesn't get a point for this, does she? Yes, I do. Sure, she does. Yeah. You didn't even give me a chance. Um, students are well. Go back and describe the the doc with hyperlinks, please. Sure. So I can. Students are consuming information through the sites they are linked to. I I would say that then they are given the opportunity to to create based on the links that they that are linked in the doc, either collaboratively or individually. AJ, what say you? I would say by reflecting and becoming more engaged with the content. You are cheating and looking at the doc. I'm watching a football game right now. You're lying. I see you. AJ is very much, you're both on the right track. It's uh, to make it a hyper doc. You're looking at a key piece of a quality hyper doc assignment is where students are engaging and reflecting on the learning and engaging in that process that allows for students to apply, apply what they've learned, what they've learned. Absolutely. All right. Last round. Here we go. Students connect what they have learned to other subject <laughs> areas, topics. You have to let me finish the question. And even apply you're what they have to learned. Stop reading the question. Hold on. If this is a game show, you're supposed to stop reading the question right there. Host. Steve Harvey does it that way. What is he? Family Feud. Oh, I don't. I watch a lot of game shows. I'm sorry, Chris. Continue the question for Stacy. I already got it. 
Stacy, go ahead. I answered. It is a hyperdoc. Yes, it is. Now, a boring old doc with a, just a hyperlink would be no student connection or extensions in an explicit way. It may provide links to games or activities. Really, it's a huge disappointment. Doesn't sound like much fun. So our big winner today is, I wasn't keeping track of the point, so if you were at home... I won. Stacy won, because she don't play games with Stacy, I guess. Because Doug wins all the time. And so every now and again, I have to get in there and win a game. Do you want to bring Doug in to play, is it a hyper doc or not? <laughs> no. I do not, because he'll win. He doesn't even understand them, and he'll win. All right, so that was a fun game. Thanks for playing, everybody. Please tweet, you know, Team AJ or hashtag Team Stacy, depending on who you supported yes. in this game. And obviously, we will check Twitter to see who is more popular. Oh so, my God. if you've created your own hyperdocs or you have used one, we want you to go to podcastpd.com/slash seventeen. Leave a comment on our show notes and consider leaving a link. Or you know what? Please leave a link to hyperdoc that you have used in your instruction. Because now we know a little bit more about what makes it a hyperdoc versus, you know, not it being a hyperdoc. So if you've used it in your instruction, join the conversation, podcastpd.com slash 17. Tell us about the hyperdoc, leave a link to it. So that way we can uh, share it with the rest of the community. So why don't we talk about actually, and this would help Stacy and probably help all of us and, and everyone who's listening to let's, let's walk each other and everybody through how to build a hyperdoc lesson. So we're going to go over now the parts of a hyperdoc, and and many hyperdocs follow what we're about to talk about, which is considered a very basic template that will take students through the six steps of a lesson. I will start it off. And Chris, before before we get started, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to say I think this is what really makes the hyperdoc really the best part of, of teaching, and uh, with my students, uh, putting this hyperdoc together. Or using it with them, I should say, since I haven't really created one. I've edited, but not created. Um, these, these, these parts of the hyperdoc are really what makes it exciting for them because these is what brings it to life. It, it takes away from just clicking and doing to actually being engaged with the activity that's in front of them. So if you've never done this before, this is what sets apart hyperdoc to a hyperlink. All right, let's start it off and. The uh, the first thing we want to do with our students, or for Stacy, who's going to be interacting with the adult learner, is we want to engage the user, the student. We want to hook our students. We want to get them engaged, and we want to activate their prior knowledge. For example, you might use a fun video, an interactive website, or something we would all like, an audio recording to start off this hyperdoc. So the next part of this, it would be to explore. So in the Explorer, you want to link your resources, such as videos, articles, uh, websites, if you need that. Uh, this way, students can actually dive in and explore the information as a whole. So maybe you've never taught it before. This can go a little bit deeper than just the basics. And this is where you would put in probably multiple links to a variety of resources that would probably take advantage of hitting on multiple modes of learning, whether it's video, text, audio. And again, it's going to be strictly, or I don't know if it's going to be strictly, but it's going to allow students to kind of cipher through and gather information. And is the expectation there then that they would connect and link or and open all of the links, or do they get to pick and choose like a totally 10? 
So that's really up to you how you set up your your HyperDoc. If there's specific ways that you want them to bring in the information, that would be a good thing. So view it like a web quest a little bit. If you ask certain questions for when they're exploring, uh, they'll have to bring that information back to the document with them. So you can be as specific or you, as you want to, or you can be extremely general and have them just research a small topic that they're learning for that day. Yeah, it could be a simple, if you're including, say, say there are five videos, you might say, watch three of these five videos. And any combination of three is going to give them a certain amount of information. And then you might follow that up with some web links where it's, you know, read, you know, two out of these five blog posts. So you're giving them choice in how and where they're going to get information from. Okay. I just want to clarify. Thank you. Well, speaking of clarifying, the next step is you're going to want your students to explain something. So this is where you're going to clarify the learning objective for your students. This is where you could teach a whole group lesson with direct instruction, or you can add additional resources and you'd continue to have your students broken out and kind of doing it on their own or in small groups to, again, go through information, acquire a skill, maybe practice a skill. And this is where you'd be doing that. Uh, The next part of a hyperdoc is, I think, the best part. This is the application where students are now stepping up and they're going to apply what they have learned so far. So what do you want your students to create or demonstrate in their learning? This is up to you. Uh, You want to be specific with the instructions that you give. You want them to have some type of assignment that is there for them, whether the assignment is an essay or if it's group work or if it's inserting a flip grid or creating their own lesson on the topic that they've been exploring for the period. This is where they apply the information. So it's up to you as a teacher or as the coordinator of professional development to really make your instructions crystal clear since you're usually not there in the document so that people can use their knowledge of what they explored and make a really fun assignment. AJ, can you give an example of how you've done this since you, I think you have more experience than I do at using these. So Chris, one of the ways that I've used HyperDocs and the apply part of it, uh, there was a wonderful HyperDoc that I had found and borrowed and Thank you to whoever created this. It was about Andrew Jackson being on the $20 bill. And since the discussion came up in class, whether or not he was a hero or a villain, I found this hyperdoc, I came across it. And the the apply part of it, I thought was fantastic. And it was for students to write an argumentative paragraph uh, supporting two reasons why or why not Andrew Jackson should remain on the $20 bill. Uh, I thought this was a perfect one also because in the news, this is great that there was a NPR quick segment, about three minutes discussing the fact that Andrew Jackson is going to be removed from the $20 bill. So within this hyperdoc, there was perfect ways to explore using videos, podcasts, articles, all wrapped up with Andrew Jackson as president. And then the argumentative part was was tremendous. So I had some good responses from my students as they were writing their reasons whether or not Andrew Jackson should be on the bill. And I have to admit, I had a lot of students argue reasons why. I was very surprised. I like that. So so in that example, they're being asked to write something. So argumentative essay, nice for you know language arts across the curriculum. But again, it's based off of whatever knowledge and research they accumulated through the previous steps, right? Correct. So okay. 
they were exploring, they were, they were exploring and explaining at the same time. So they were viewing the video, reading the article, listening to the podcast. That was part of their explore. And I put a section in there where they could take notes. They would do a stop and jot as they're doing that. Because even with all those three different items, podcast, article, and video, none of them were longer than three minutes. So in under 10 minutes, my students were able to do three explorations, more information they probably would have gotten from me in a 46-minute lecture. Oh, sure. That's awesome. You figure all that content is much more concise. So yeah, that, that, that's a great job of using media. And I love that it's self-directed. They're doing it on their own. Right. And that's and that, again, that's, that goes along with the personalized learning, the student choice. Uh, and it really, this is why I really want to start creating my own. I don't want to keep taking from people. And granted, don't think I'm taking one, one every day or one a week. You know, I've used three hyperdocs that I've, I've taken from other teachers. But what I love is that people are putting it out there. I that love when, I love when people share their content. And look, there's a Facebook community. There's a, a hyperdoc community on Facebook that you can ask to be part of. And the people there uh, are open to communication. Uh, not just the people who created the idea, but other people are, are interested in looking for ways that they could use theirs and they put theirs out there and they're asking for feedback. And it really is a, a wonderful community where people are collaborating in, in tremendous ways. Now, AJ, keep this lesson open that you have opened because I want to see from this example how it fits into the rest of this uh, building a lesson. So we, you can definitely give us some live examples. So after we have students applying it, next up it talks about you know sharing it. So providing a way for students to share their work and receive feedback. How is that happening in this Andrew Jackson lesson? So for this lesson, the sharing aspect, and this is another one that I, I had another hyperdoc where I changed up the share and we used a Google form and I figured the Google form was fantastic. So the question that I created for this one was uh, a vote, just one side or the other. Should Jackson stay or should he be replaced? And I set up the form so that my students can vote on either side. And then they could also see the responses in the form as soon as it popped up. And they were very excited and they kept refreshing as they saw other students in their class Class was, was uh, at that point. So they were refreshing to see, has the numbers changed? Who's voting which way? And I made it anonymous so that nobody's name was attached to it, but they could see all periods and how they voted as part of that share. That's definitely a nice, quick, easy way to have them participate in. In that example, it sounds like they're sharing their thoughts from some things I've read. Uh, this is definitely a place in a hyper doc lesson where you can incorporate something like Flipgrid or back channeling, or even if you had them share their argumentative essays with their peers, they could, you know, they could peer edit or receive comments on their writing. So there, there's any number of ways that we can have students sharing and, you know, getting feedback. Even though they're working on a loan, we still want them to, to have that communication or to see what their classmates are thinking. And just to throw this in there, there's a life skill, you know, not, not much of what kids are going to do when they get out into the world will involve them doing it in isolation. So basic skill that we can kind of instill in these kids to collaborate and create. Absolutely. So after we have students share, we want to have students reflect. So we want them to pause for reflection, either as the whole class or doing something like think, pair, share, or even jigsawing. Uh, and we want to link them to a digital way to share their thoughts. Now, right away, I'm thinking this sounds similar to sharing and maybe in your particular modification, AJ, maybe you comboed sharing and reflecting by having them do the survey. Talk about that or maybe what, what was that original 
thing or what did you have them do after this? So the reflecting part uh, really was more about them and just think about their responses. And for the reflecting, I kind of combined it with the next part of this, the last one here, which is, which is the extend portion. So if you combine it, let's put it all together. Yeah. So, so for the extension, you know, this portion is, is really good for those kids that finish early. Uh, there's the extra activities or online resources to challenge them with some kind of extra or extended thinking. And for this, I created a, a Padlet for my students. So the reflection and the extension, I thought, really went hand in hand very nicely. You know, it's kind of hard when you think about sharing, reflecting, and extending. They all fit in pretty well. But for the reflecting and extension, it was a Padlet where they then had the question of who else should be on the $20 bill if you're going to replace Andrew Jackson. And just watching the students' names, uh, who they put on there, uh, some fantastic names. Uh, they did use a lot of the names that they heard from the podcast part of it, but they were, but there were some other original names in the Padlet as well. And I gave them the ability to comment on other students to say whether they liked the idea or whether they did not like the idea. So if they were up to that point at the end where they were able to reflect and extend on that in that Padlet, they were kind of bouncing around between their classmates and all periods were there. So it wasn't just their one class that they saw. All right. So I'm super intrigued and I, I kind of get the sense that I really need to get my hands on this book that for our listeners, just to reiterate, it's the HyperDoc Handbook, Digital Lesson Design Using Google Apps. And if you're auditory like me and you want to get like a quick down and dirty, I would check out the Cult of Pedagogy episode 70 with Jennifer Gonzalez, um, where she interviews the three authors. Also check out the Facebook community, which seems to me kind of like the breakout edu facebook community where people are just kind of sharing resources asking questions and helping one another out am i right aj 100 percent correct awesome so i have a question for you as i'm listening to this one of the questions i had was you know i imagine you're sharing all of this through google classroom yes uh yes and because you have the three sharing permissions when you send a, a an assignment out to your students whether it be view only all kids can edit or make a copy where, what are you selecting there? Okay. So what I did was I had Google classroom, sorry, I had Google classroom, make a copy for all of my students. Now, the problem with that, of course, is that there are some documents that you don't want students to be able to edit. So you make one document. So what I did was if there was a document where I didn't make one for each student, I just made one single document. That was a link within the hyperdoc i would make it a forced copy so okay that's what i was hoping yeah so that so i would make it a forced copy so that when they click on that link they had to make a copy for themselves i would have them attach it to the uh google classroom assignment if it did not get brought in there when they submitted it like, like is there a reason to make a copy of the hyperdoc for each kid i've yeah, seen I, instances where um like I have a social studies teacher who created a hyperdoc where like they're actually manipulating something within that first, within that original document that links out to everything else. So there's work to be done within that document. And then um, whether I, I, I'm trying to think like, I think there might be like timelines in there. So that's part of that original, first, you know, first level or first tier, I guess, of document sharing um, instead of, you know, hyper 
hyperlinking to a ti- you know a timeline or something like that. Right, and what I tell my students is this is their interactive note taking page, so I want them to be able to have all access to anything there if they want to highlight something or if they feel like they need to make comments on a, on the side. Uh, this is for them, so I didn't want them to feel you know bogged down that they couldn't write on a document or that they couldn't uh, make comments or even the fact that somebody else was on the document that it gets nervous that they would start chatting a little bit and kind of lose their focus. I mean, that's something easily controlled in the classroom, but I like the fact that they can just take notes right there in the document. So I make a copy for all of them. That was simply my reasoning. That's a really valid point. And then my suggestion too, for kids who are really savvy is to go in and change some of those hyperlocks where hyperlinks, sorry, where they are forced to make a copy and include their own work there so that you as a teacher are only going into AJ Bianco's lesson or assignment. And then this way, all of those things are linked back in so that it's not the forced copy link. It They've edited that link so that it's their link to the work that they've done or done collaboratively, especially if they've done it collaboratively, because then you can look at one person's and know that like AJ and Chris work together. And now you're only looking at Chris or AJ's, not both. You know, I think it's also about comfort. So if you try it the first time, you know, make a copy. Or if you don't think the kids, you know, need a copy, that they can all click on the links and do more of the exploring, then make it so that they have viewing rights. You know, it's all about finding your comfort zone and what works best for you and your classes. You know, you know them better than anybody else does. Any other questions or things we can talk about related to HyperDocs, guys? Here's the one thing for me. You know, as as a person generally who can't sit still, who needs to bounce around the classroom and kind of interact with students, this is hard for me. So when I gave it the HyperDocs and my students are watching the video or listening to a podcast, you know, I'm just walking around the room. And that's not really the best thing for me because I'm quiet. And like I want to tap on something like, hey, that was a really good point they made right there, right? And they look at me like, I'm, I'm listening to something. I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry. Right, right. <laughs> so really for you as a teacher, try to continue to be engaged in some other way. Uh, I don't know what other way that is because I'm still trying to figure that out. Used a HyperDoc, I would love to hear, and we'd love to hear, please in the feedback, what you do during a typical class period when your students are working. That's a great question. I mean, because also you, AJ... think about it. Go ahead. Go, ahead. Go ahead. I'm just saying, you think about it. You also have to be careful because if your administration walks in and they see you kind of standing around and the kids are on the computer, then what do you do? You know, and that is the biggest question in schools these days: or what do you do when your kids are working on the computers? Hey, not for nothing. You know, about... Let me throw this in here. Recently, had my Go first ahead. observation of the year. My district uses Danielson. In Danielson, basically. In order to be distinguished in all areas of all the four domains, your kids need to be able to teach themselves with you either like if you're not there, they can do it themselves without you. So in order to be the best possible teacher, your students have to not need you. And you're hands off. Yeah, you're hands off. The students are totally engaged in doing for themselves. So if administration walks in and you are hands off, that that's nirvana for learning. Fours, baby, fours. And I, and I know that's great. And I know that's what we're trying to get to. You know, our our goal is to have students become more independent. 
you know, we want to have the independence. We want to have the choice. We want to have the personalization, you know, but still sometimes you just like, what do you do with your time? You know, what is the constructive thing to do as the educator in the room? So as the educator in the room, do you have a Chromebook that you use at school? Because I'm thinking then you could be walking around and monitoring, but kind of like dual monitoring, right? So looking at your device, going into classroom, looking at the work that the kids are doing and kind of seeing where they're at, but also proximity, you know, monitoring by being close to them and making sure that they're on tar- on target and on task. I don't know, it's just an option. You could be commenting while they're working right. um, through, you know, just comments in the doc instead of like tapping on their devices and kind of breaking their focus. So they'll get to your comment when they get there um, without that, like I said, that that auditory break. I think the commenting, I think the commenting is, is great. I don't even think about the commenting for, for us as an educator. I didn't think about that. I thought about it more of like kids taking notes, but that commenting mm-hmm. is perfect. And what I'm trying to do in my school is I'm trying to get a Chromecast for my projector so that I can even put up some student work as examples. You know, maybe not as they're working, but as they're coming to a close. What do you mean you're trying to get a Chromecast? I need a new projector in my classroom. Oh, so you just need the projector. I was going to say that's free. I have a Chromecast sitting in my – I have an actual Chromecast TV thingy in my desk drawer that I would like to connect. But I need gotcha. to reject it first because it doesn't have HDMI cables. It's coming. I've been promised. But you just need the projector. I just need the projector. Cool. So with that, any, anything else about HyperDocs? Try it and have fun with it. There you go. Try and Let it. us know what you do. Yeah, definitely. Go, go to podcastpd.com slash 17. Go to the feedback page. Again, leave links to your HyperDocs in the comments and send us some audio feedback and tell your story about how you're using it or how you'd like to use it. Uh, and it can be successes. It can be missteps. You know, we want to hear it all because we, we, we'll all learn from each other. All right, let's move into what we're listening to, the podcast portion of the show. Stacy, what are you listening to? I think I mentioned this in the past. I listened to a podcast called Let's Run Disney, and it is all about exactly what the title says, running Disney races, and it's about running in general, but mostly running Disney races. Um, That's certainly their focus, you know, prepping you for your race, talking about where to stay and what to do. And part of the reason I'm doing that is because I am running my second Disney race after the new year. So I'm super excited about that. That is, um, it was one of my birthday gifts. It's my only birthday gift. Um, I was a little disappointed because the idea was for me to be able to run in Florida and then run in Anaheim within the same year and get, you know, you were talking earlier about Kate's challenge medal. That would be a challenge medal. It's called coast to coast where you, within the same calendar year, you run on the East coast and the West coast. And um, my plan was to run the two female races. So the princess half marathon and the Tinkerbell half marathon. However, Disney kind of pooped all over my plan and they canceled all of their Disneyland races. So the Disneyland piece is not happening. I'm not getting the pink coast to coast medal. There's a blue coast to coast medal. That's for any race on both coasts. 
Um, but the pink one was for running the Tinkerbell and the princess. But I'm still super excited to be going back and running the princess half marathon again. So training started. Um, and I listened to another podcast about running um, called um, Another Mother Runner. And today they were actually talking about, or when I listened, which was today and yesterday, they were talking about milestone um, racing events, running events. And um, this this particular event for me is a milestone running event. It was for a big birthday. And actually the last time I ran the, the Princess Half Marathon was also um, just a big life milestone event. Um, I was coming back um, after surgery. So that was like super duper exciting. And I'm just happy that I get to run it again. And this is a trip where it's um, adults only. So super excited about that. And um, yeah, so that's what I was listening to. I got the bad news that Anaheim's not happening, but, um, and that's a definite now. So at least I can like stop worrying about it and worrying about the days that I'm taking off because I'll be able to take my personal days and they will all just be in there and be neat and tidy. So that's what I'm listening to. Let's run Disney and another mother runner. Very cool. How about you guys? So for, for me, I'm listening. I listened to an episode of uh, Principal Matters with William Parker. Uh, I was trying to do a little search there for a buddy of mine who's uh, looking for podcasts as he takes on his principalship, and he'll be starting his principalship in the next couple of days. So congratulations. Um, I don't think he listens to the show, so it doesn't make a difference. But uh, as I was looking for some episodes, I reached out to the podcast master, uh, Chris Nessie, and he sent me a link uh, to the seven best administrative podcasts available. And I stumbled across this episode number 51 uh, from William Parker. And it's called The Shocking Truth About Your Decision-Making. And I thought it was a really great listen uh, just because as a aspiring administrator and listening to him and giving advice to people who have made decisions on a regular basis that your decisions are going to change no matter who you are, what you do, no matter what your beliefs are from day one of your administrative career to 12 years later or whatever it is that you'll look back on your decisions and you'd make different decisions as you go through. So listening to him tell a story about his journey and giving ways that you can make decisions that are relevant. I thought that that was a really good episode. And I think I'm going to continue now to listen to his episodes. Uh, I believe he's up to 86 or 87. Um, so I'll be catching up and, trying to find relevant episodes they listen to. Cool. Actually, after I had mentioned that to you, uh, I went and also subscribed. I haven't listened to anything, but I downloaded like the last, I think 10 or 15 episodes just to kind of get my feet wet and then see if I want to go all the way back. A la Stacy. I just don't do that right off the bat when I subscribe <laughs> to something new, especially when they're, you know, have like almost a hundred episodes. Uh, so there you go on that. Right. You don't want to have your podcatcher have a thousand episodes or anything like that. No. And we're going to be including a link because Stacy did cross the, uh, the 1000 need to be listened to podcast milestone. She got to a thousand and one. That was on Thursday, but I'm back to nine ninety five. I forgot to give you guys my number. I'm at nine ninety five. That's cool. But we do have the image screenshot from your phone of 1001. So 
It was painful. And now I look at my podcast and it's 996. I really don't understand what happens when we sit here. Luckily for everybody, I don't think they will ever have a thousand unlistened to episodes of this show because at the rate we're doing it, we'll, it'll take us four years to do a hundred. And did you guys sign up to do 20 years of podcast PD? No. Well, I did. So I'll still be here in 20 years for episode 1000. Yeah, whatever it takes. I, would, I wouldn't mind re- at least reaching 100. I'm going to be old in 20 years. We're all going to be old in 20 years. We'll be 20 years older. Yeah, what? Podcast P, huh? Who? <laughs> there won't even be podcasts. It'll be something else. It'll be like cassette tapes. <laughs> We're going to go back to cassette tapes? We're going to go backwards? No, I mean, like, it'll be obsolete, like cassette tapes. Oh. Although what? I will say cassette tapes, are, because they were, what, 20, it, no, more than 20 years, but. All right, you can talk about cassette tapes on another episode of the show. Fine. What are you listening to, Chris? I just wanted to go the guilty pleasure route, and I'm excited that Fall TV is back in full swing. All of my favorite shows are back, which means a lot of the favorite podcasts that I listen to about these shows are also back. So I just wanted to give quick shout-outs to Arrow Squad, The Central City Underground, Made of Steel, Tomorrow's Legends, and Gotham Undercover. Those are all podcasts related to Arrow the Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, and Gotham. You who is listening probably watches a little bit of television in your life, so consider going over to iTunes or in your podcast catcher and searching for the title of your favorite TV show and see if there's a podcast about your show, and you might be able to connect with other people who listen to the show and are fans of the same genre of TV you watch. It's just a really cool way to connect even further with you know TV shows that you like. Those are the things that I listen to. Maybe you could take my approach and apply it to your TV watching habits. So let's move on to what we're learning. I'll go first because I have a monologue prepared. Oh boy, he's monologuing. No super capes. No super capes. (laughs) Name that movie. The Incredibles. Okay, on we go. I want to talk about what we can learn and what I have learned from the 2017 New York Yankees. So whether you like them or not, Yankee fan, Met fan, don't like baseball, like baseball, it doesn't matter. The expectations of these Yankees were not high from external observers at the start of the season. Now, if you told me, and I'm sure AJ would agree, if you said back in February or March that the 2017 Yankees would get to Game 7 of the ALCS, we would have said, where do you want me to prick my finger and sign with blood? We would have taken it. Because this team was not expected to do anything. They were expected to be rebuilding and growing. But they kept working. And they had a lot of unforeseen talent and ability that emerged very quickly, insert all rise and references to Aaron Judge here, as he went on to break the American League rookie home run record by hitting 52 home runs over the course of the 162-game season. There were points of growth during this entire season, as well as struggles along the way. So look at yourself, look at your students through a similar lens. There will always be points where we struggle, and just like baseball players, the slumps that we go through as teachers and the slumps our students go through as young people, they do not last forever. If they did, Lord knows I would still be a miserable teenager now at the age of 36 if I didn't get out of some of those slumps, but they don't last forever. You need to keep battling and working through if something doesn't go right the first few times. Maybe it's a lesson that didn't go quite right. Maybe you listen to this episode you try hyperdocs and you fall on your face. That doesn't mean you don't try again or you don't re-revise the hyperdoc or that particular lesson. You learn from it and you make adjustments. And we want to encourage this approach to learning 
in you and your students. And if you model it, your students are more likely to follow suit. And I will finish with the following statement. Watch out for the 2018 Yankees, because this is just the beginning. This team will grow, and it will continue to thrive for years to come. And hopefully in 2018, AJ and I get to go to a ball game together. And maybe a parade. Yeah, that would be great. Podcast PD live from downtown Manhattan. Absolutely. I'd go to that. The game, not the parade. I hate How do you hate parades? I but when they're celebrating my Yankees, I'm going to go to a parade. There you go. So, so, so that's what I am learning. That's awesome. I like that. And I like how you brought it back into the classroom. So I'm going to try to do that. I, I wrote a blog post early in the season about what teachers can learn from Yankee rookie Aaron Judge. I'll include a link to that in the show notes for this episode. Awesome. Thank you very much. Do you guys want to share right, something so you're learning? To, yeah, I'm going to try to do the same thing. So I am relearning how to be a runner because I've taken a substantial hiatus from my running life um, that I run in I run tech is like a big fat fraud right now, but um, I'm in week three of my training and I will admit to the fact that it has not been perfect. In fact, this entire week I took off, but um, I ran today. I ran today after coffee edu and I ran with my son, my little guy who was with me today at coffee edu And it was joyful and delightful. And I don't think he realized that we ran a mile and a half. Um, Not an exceptionally long run, but we did it together and that made it fun. And I guess my classroom tie-in would be for you to go and kind of find something that you enjoyed in the past, whether it be in the classroom or in your personal life and reignite that passion and see if you can bring it into the classroom. When I was a classroom teacher, I was big into running. I was big into mud runs, and I would share that with my kids. And I remember um, when I taught first grade, I even had first graders join me at a mud run, at a mud run, and um, that was just super fantastic and fabulous. They took part in the kid version of it, and it was a way for me to connect with my kids. So my challenge to you is to reignite a passion, bring it into the classroom and see what happens as your kids get to know you um, on a personal level or get to see you become excited about something within your content area. AJ. Okay. So since since we're all going pretty deep tonight, um, so what are we learning right now? I'm kind of learning things are hard over the summer. We take time as teachers to regroup and, figure out what we want to do for the coming year. And this summer I wrote down a whole bunch of goals for myself and using personalized learning and learning menus and student choice and using all these different tech tools in the one-to-one classroom. And I had these things written down and I got in there in September and I said to myself, this is going to be the year, right? 13 years later, this is the year. We're going to knock it out of the park and we're going to be excited. And I went in excited. And as I'm starting to create these lessons, as I'm starting to use HyperDocs, as I'm starting to use student choice and learning menus and podcasts and video creation and name it, I wanted to try it. Maybe I put too much on the plate. Maybe I didn't put enough. But I feel like everything is just 
hard. You know, being a family, being a dad, being a husband, being an educator, being a sports fan, being a TV watcher, trying to read books, trying to listen to podcasts, trying to be part of all these different organizations. It's so hard to take that breath and sit back when you're trying to be completely involved in everything. So I'm learning. I really need to take a step back. <laughs> I really need to narrow things down and figure out what my focus is and what I want to do. Like, obviously my number one priority is being husband and dad, you know, and then of course teaching is there. So really it's that time management, which I was never good at. And I thought to myself all this time, yeah, I can do that. I can do time management. No, guess, guess I can't. It was just confirmed, but I'll figure it out. So things are hard and hopefully in the next episode, I'll say things are easier. AJ, I'm going to let you borrow my one word for 2017, which was balance. You need, to find, you need to find balance. Maybe you can use that word in 2018 and it will help you. I'm just going to continue to push you towards the middle. <laughs> balance and drive. That was, that was my word. My word was drive or driven or whatever it was. I think it was drive. Yeah. So we ready for some feedback? I am, and I have some live feedback, so I'll let you go first. And then I had um, two instances of face-to-face -face feedback this week. All right. Our first piece of live feedback, and this is a holdover from our last episode. This comes to us from Lori Canada. So take it away, Lori. Hey, y'all. I'm Lori from Arkansas, and I am a program coordinator for a nonprofit called the East Initiative. So I support about 30 teachers in Northwest Arkansas. I'm on the road a lot because I don't live here. And so that's whenever I listen to a lot of my podcasts is when I'm traveling. Um, I really enjoy all the tips and tricks that y'all uh, give and that you tell. Um, my podcast queue is growing because y'all are saying some wonderful podcasts that I haven't heard of yet. So um, keep it up. And I really appreciate it. And um, I enjoy listening to you in the car. Thank you, Lori. We appreciate you taking time to hit up our flip grid. Wasn't that nice of Miss Canada? Super cool. That was outstanding. Lori, I, I do want to ask you, so you can by all means flip grid us again or hit us up on SpeakPipe. Let us know some of the podcasts that you have checked out that we've recommended. Um, and then I would like to push you, Lori, to reach out to those podcasts and send feedback to those shows and rate them and review them and show them some podcast love. That would be fantastic. Now, we did get another piece from Jeremy Frick. Unfortunately, though, Jeremy, the audio was really, really low. So I'm going to push you, Jeremy, to come back to the Flipgrid or hit us up via our speak pipe and leave us that audio again. And then we will be happy to try and include it on another episode. But I think you definitely were letting us know that you like the show and where you listen to it. It just didn't sound right when we were playing it. Uh, in the pre-recording. So if you could just leave that again, we would really appreciate it. Stacy, what live feedback do you have for us? So this week um, was a lot of PD, which I shared with you guys. Like this was like the start of my PD season. Friday, my team and I went to Tech and Learning Live with my supervisor, um, the supervisor of technology and the director of technology from my district and a couple of our students. But while I was there... I got a tweet from Tina Monteleone, 
who shared that she is a a big fan. And we know this because she shared with us this feedback on Twitter, but she said that she really likes our banter. She thinks that we're silly and um, she can tell that we really like one another. So I just wanted to give you that feedback. And then the other bit of feedback I got today was from Rich Chiz. Um, he was on episode 12 with us and we met up today at a coffee EDU that he sponsored out in Yardley, PA. And um, he gave me feedback on our last episode with Adam. So episode 16, where we talked about comic books, he said um, he just really, really enjoyed all of the information. He said one of his favorite formats is when we interview guests who are experts and that he really likes getting that knowledge drop. That's my word, not his, um, from those experts and, and when they share their content. He also said that he likes when we banter back and forth and that he could listen to the three of us talk all day long, which I thought was hysterical. At some point in 2018, we will produce a 24-hour-long episode. Yes. I will not be there. It'll be you too. 24 hours of podcast PD. We just might have to do that live like in the summer. That would be fun. That might be fun. So anyway, that was our feedback. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, that is great. So people, please keep the feedback coming. Go to podcastpd.com slash feedback or slash Flipgrid. That's going to be your best and fastest ways to get yourselves here onto the podcast. Again, before we close it out, we want to remind you that episode 18, we're going to be talking about app smashing. So if you are an app smasher, we want to hear from you. Go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and choose your preferred method to share your app smashing stories and suggestions so we can feature you on the podcast. You guys ready to say goodbye? I am. And Stacy, in honor of your Disney contribution, now it's time to say goodbye to all the company. M I C. Oh wait, should it be P O D C A S T T dot C O M P? I don't know. <laughs> that was a terrible goodbye. <laughs> uh, just say goodnight, AJ. Goodnight, AJ. Say goodnight, Christopher. Goodnight, Christopher. Goodnight, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website, podcastpd.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco. And I also blog at AJBianco.me. You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie. And I would love it if you also checked out the House of EdTech podcast over on chrisnessie.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at irontech, and I blog at irontech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast PD. We'd also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com forward slash Facebook to join. You can help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with a colleague. And if you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us. Podcast PD is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. 
podcast for educators, podcast by educators. For more podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. Podcast PD is a proud member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. For more great content, go to voiceed.ca. Off the podcast, right? Like, not while I'm around. Oh, no. The Yankees come back up in this episode of the podcast. Ugh. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. There's actually, I know what he's going to say, but I think it's very meaningful what he's going to talk about. Fine. Yeah. That just says, somebody didn't look at our Google Doc, but that's okay. Check your show notes. <laughs> Check, Check your, your show notes. notes. I was helping... <laughs> I was helping thing to build BB-8 out of white pumpkins. I was busy. You mean bubba busy because that's BB. <laughs> bubba busy, yes. But yeah, no, he came out pretty cool. We'll have to include him in the show notes too. You know, over the summer, we 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 kind of sit back and we 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 regroup. If I could take that over again, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Good. It's not live. Okay. I'm starting from over the summer, okay? Hey, wh- when then- people come for Podcast PD, thank you, Tina. When you come here for Podcast PD, you are getting the following. Hit Web Radio. That's right. Hit Web Radio. I have no idea what that means. Should I know what that is? I don't know, but hey, Tina Monteleone, thank you. <laughs> Good Can luck I with all of us getting away from our families. Bit? That'd be... That'd be a heck of a day. <laughs> oh, my, oh my God. Just think of all the interruptions. No. Hey, Kate, I'm locking myself in the office. Don't let anybody bother me for 24 hours. <laughs> I don't even have an office to lock myself into. I'm literally in the living room and my children come in and out. You guys see them all the time. They're like making funny faces or whatever. They are yeah. funny. Those Linda's boys. Yeah. Those Linda's children are insane. 